0: I hope you've been really enjoying the messages about the Our Father, because I think it's just bringing us right back to the correct focus. It's so important for every believer to have a deep understanding of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's, It's really important. The Lord's Prayer is important. I'll tell you why. The Lord Himself, Jesus Christ, gave this prayer as the model prayer to His disciples and to the church. Now I'll get you to open your Bible as I'm just getting wound up here uh, and open it at uh, Luke 11 chapter 1 and hopefully you've got your New King James Bible because that's the most accurate version of the Bible that there is. Well, it's debatable. Now listen to this. If your prayer life is well developed, your spiritual life will be strong. So we're all called to live a spiritual life and it's up to us whether we develop our prayer life. Strong prayer life will mean strong Christianity, strong belief, strong faith. It'll also mean strong connection with God, strong relationships on the earth. And it will mean that we are effective and accurate in picking up and completing God's assignment for us. Yeah. We really need to pay attention to prayer. This morning, Just uh, I think we're about week six or something into the Our Father and we're just going line by line on what the Our Father is all about. And there's so much revelation in it. But before I hit that, I just wanted to give you some prayer tips. Who would like to get a bit better in their prayer life? Who wouldn't like to get better in their prayer life? So I'd take that as a unanimous yes in the building this morning that we all want to grow. It's very interesting because the disciples of John asked Jesus, you know, or no, sorry, the disciples of Jesus asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And he began to unpack that for him in uh, in Luke chapter eleven. But here's a couple of prayer hints or prayer tips that I've found really helpful over the years. The first one is it's really good to desire to have a desire to pray because I've found this. I have been with a few people, you know, uh, you know, over the years who have moved from this life to next. And I tell you what, one of the common things about people in that season, in those moments, is that all of them want to pray. Because if you, if you look at what prayer really is, it, it's the desire and it's the expression of man or woman to connect with God in heaven. And it's really, really important. Everybody prays sometimes. Even those people that call themselves agnostic or atheist, let me tell you, they pray. When the heat is on, you know that song? when the heat is on, they pray. So the first thing is we need to desire and commit to praying. You know, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was about ready to go to the cross, he wanted his disciples to pray for him, but you know they did not really see or understand the importance of the moment. and they weren't as focused as their leader. So, uh, you know, they sort of uh, just sort of lay around and went to sleep. Meanwhile, Jesus knows what's before Him. He knows that the cross is before Him. And there's this real intensity and He is praying as though everything depended on His prayer. And He said to to them, couldn't you not pray with me just one hour? There's been a couple of books written about this. You know, one of them's called the hour that changes the world. And, you know, we have 24 hours in a day, but imagine if we set an hour each day to spend with Jesus and to pray. You know, I believe this. Another great leader who I've admired is Robert Slearden, who said, Pray one hour a day and miracles will begin to happen in your life. And there is this connection between prayer and power, prayer and effectiveness. So number one is desire and committing. Number two is being passionate in your pursuit. You know, uh, passion is what we have on the inside of us. And, you know, we can be passionate for chocolate. Any, Any people passionate for chocolate here? Come on, don't lie to me. All atheists pray. Everybody's passionate for chocolate too. You know, we've got passion about certain things, but when we have passion in our pursuit of God in prayer, we are gonna see things happen. It is the basis of effective prayer. And in John chapter, oh sorry, James chapter five, it talks there about how the fervent, the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous man you can say or woman they didn't talk about women in those days pretty rugged isn't it but the the effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much do you know there's a way that you can pray that gets results because we can think about things but when we begin to open our mouth and pray with a passionate pursuit of God things begin to happen So we can learn, we can like learn the technology of heaven. We can learn to get our prayers answered. Thirdly, don't be locked in. You know, what I'm laying out before you as the Our Father, it's like the model prayer. And there's a number of points in there that we can just go through them. In fact, if you go through all these lines of the Our Father and you spend five minutes on each one, that's an hour. But also it's not good to be locked in, you know, in the habit of doing something every day. You know, sometimes with the worship, I love to get up and worship, you know, because I like to break it up a bit, you know, change it, because we can become so familiar in our approach to God. But, you know, God doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to be spontaneous in our relationship with Him. You know, I know Lynn and myself, you know, we have a routine of life, but there's a lot of spontaneity. I never know what Lynn's going to be up to. It's colour, it's creativity, and it's the way that God made us. So, you know, our prayer needs to, you know, we need to sort of fit our prayer life into the guidelines, the biblical uh, guidelines of what the Bible set out. But we need to be spontaneous with God. We need to be real with God. I love what uh, Chico said when he come up here this morning. You know, it's, about, it's really about becoming real with God. You know, you can talk to God about how you feel. It's a good thing. God is interested in you talking to Him about, about how you feel what you believe. He wants to hear from you. He wants to connect with you like a real person, like a real son or daughter. So in the realm of prayer, we need to open up and be real. Fourth tip this morning, and this is before I launch out into the message, right? Try and get you out of here by 12 though, for Archie's sake. (laughs) Archie gets worried when I preach because I go too long. The next one is radical praise. Do you know what? We were never conformed to be like, just still before God for too long. Like there's that be still and know that I'm God. There's that verse. But God does not want you to be still for too long. It's like you go into the presence of God and sit and relax and focus on God, be still before Him, place your trust in Him. But there is this place of radical praise. Radical praise. Say that after me. Radical praise. Now in your daily devotion to God, there should be room for some radical praise. Yes. You look like you really got that point. Radical praise. You should look at the look on your face because there's such a disconnect there. See, the reason is, is because we are trained to be so conservative, so sort of out of the mind and so flatlined. But you see, you open the book. This is what you've got to do. Open the book of Psalms. Let's have a little bit of a practice now. This is a trial run on exactly what I'm talking about. Has anybody got any favourite Psalms here that they love to pray? Well, you should have. This is a real prayer key. You just open the book of Psalms and the first place I see there is, it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. That is a real prayer key. Was there a bit of a life, a bit of enthusiasm? In there? Yeah. All right, I'm going to get you to practice now. Open up the Bible, find a psalm that you think looks pretty radically praise psalm. And I'm going to give you a go. See who the radicals are. Sometimes we're too thinky. I'm just teaching you, all right? Because I like to get in there with God. You know, this morning when we sing that song, you, you know, what was it, captivated? I've been trying to get the band to play that for years. Just once before I go to eternity, pray that song. Because I tell you what, I'm captivated by Him. I'm sold. I am excited. I do not even really, a lot of the time, can care about what's going on around me because I'm locked in on this. I am so excited about life right now. I think that God's unstoppable. I think there's a lot of things going crazy in the world. And I think people its just too much in their mind connected with what's going on out there. We've got to come back to what God's Word says and get the Word and launch that Word into the spirit world and bring down our enemy, our adversary, the devil. So, so if you go through the Psalms, if you do a word shout, if you do a word search, you won't have to find long until you find a shout Psalm. So Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him in Psalms. Wow. This is how you demolish depression. This is how you move obstacles out of your way. This is what you do. This is an antidote for a lot of things. So there's a couple of prayer tips. So use the Bible, You pray the Word. And the other thing that's a real good prayer tip is make a quality appointment with God somewhere once a week. Now, let's stand together because we're going to pray the Our Father and I'm going to talk about the next line of the Our Father. Let us pray together. New King James Version. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Very good. Take a seat. Right, I'm just going to whiz through a few points because this morning I wanted to talk to you What happens, I want to talk about the next line in that prayer. Last week we talked about give us this day our daily bread. And this week I want to talk about, this is a real pivotal line in this prayer. And it said, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So this morning I just want to talk about what happens when we choose to rise above the pain of the past, regardless of whether it's recent or a long time ago, and we learn to walk in forgiveness. So what we've been learning aligns us with our Father in heaven. And each day as we pray, we are aligning with Him and resetting our priorities. If we can get this right, it will dramatically increase the effectiveness of our prayer and is also a massive testament to the world that our faith in Jesus is real. So, this forgiveness is central to the gospel. And I want you just to take down seven points this morning. The first one is this, and this is seven points about forgiveness. Number one, the heart of the message of the New Testament, which is also our message, by the way, and the life and ministry of Jesus is one of forgiveness. It's right at the centre. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, reconciling God to men. When Jesus came into the earth, He came with a ministry of reconciliation to to reconcile God to men. When Jesus came into the earth 2,000 years ago, He came with you in mind. And I believe this. I believe this is a personal thing. You are not the only one. He came with me in mind. He came with you in mind. He came with your children in mind and every generation. The new covenant is established by the sinless life of Jesus, the shedding of His sinless blood and His death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. Through this action, God reconciled man to God. And now, according to the Bible, we have a ministry of reconciliation. So Jesus came with unconditional love, forgiving us for our sins. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says that, that, uh, that He shed sinless blood for us. And through His blood, we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So Jesus forgave us. I wanna go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse five. And it says this. Actually, we'll go from uh, verse one. And it says, And you He made alive who were dead in sins, in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Now, let me tell you, the world has got a course. It's got a trajectory. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you also were once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. But this is the good part. It says, but God, say that after me, but God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together in Christ. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And He's raised us up together and made us sit together with Him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God's incredible mercy, we once walked according to the course of the world. And somehow by the grace of God, He's reached us and turned us around. Now, It's like everything in the past, everything we've done has been removed far from us and we are literally, according to the Bible, seated with Him in the heavenly places. Even though we are on the earth, it's like we have been made equal positionally with Jesus because of the covenant that God established with us, which was signed and sealed in the blood of Jesus. I think the point here is that this is the central message of Christianity and it must also be our central message. Forgiveness and reconciliation must rate right up there. Number two, God now expects us to demonstrate unconditional love, proven by our willingness to continually forgive. This is not always easy. I think this is an important message for a lot of people this morning, if you can grasp it. The reality is most of us think that we have the right to be offended. Some of us are offended very easily. Others have learned to forgive quickly. But this is the objective of Christianity is that we would learn to demonstrate forgiveness just the way Jesus did. We were dead to sin. We had broken every rule in the book. And it seems that God treats every one of us the same if we turn our hearts to Him, regardless of the past. You know, uh, Attaining God's favour is not dependent on how we perform on earth, but it is purely His grace. That scripture says it's by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not our own doing. The amazing thing is the moment we receive Christ into our life and genuinely place our trust in Him, we are totally forgiven. I find it hard to get my mind around that because I can become so conscious of my own failings and my own sinful nature. But God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us has made us alive together with Christ Jesus. And I want you to know this, the minute you genuinely receive Christ into your life, your life changes there. But now God has given you a ministry And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that exactly what that ministry is, that we too have the ministry of reconciliation. And forgiveness must be one of our highest priorities. It's like as we pray through the Our Father, all these points, every line is like a key that you can clearly, uh, you know, easily, I think this is what we've done. Every week we've talked about a full message on one of those points. And this one is important, you know, because now God has given us the ministry of reconciliation and He's telling us to forgive others. You know, over the years, I've had to learn to forgive. I don't think I've ever had a problem really with unforgiveness, but I've been at times walked and found it difficult to forgive people. And I remember once that God put me through a circumstance where I literally had to forgive someone else who I believe had done something so wrong to me. And it was to do with finance. And uh, we'd been through a whole business thing. It didn't work out so well. And I began to blame someone else for that. And I was wild. I was not gonna forgive. I wanted my piece of flesh. I wanted justice. And I remember this. I remember because one day, Lynn and myself, we'd been through this thing and basically we'd been through a situation where we'd, uh, you know, had to sell our house, had to sell our car. We'd been in business. We'd been sort of, you know, building a bit of a success image and it was all good looks and, you know, mag wheels and leather seats and the car and, you know we we're doing quite well then things began to change and it was like everything that we had just went in a couple of months we went from the top to the bottom and it was an emotional roller coaster and you know some of it was my responsibility but a lot of it was because of what we got involved in and uh, i remember one day meeting a guy down there in Lakes Entrance who was associated with the business that I was in. And I was surprised at the emotion that came out of my heart. And so was he. (laughs) (laughs) But do you know what it made me realise? If I don't forgive, I'm going to be eaten up. And I believe that God allows things to happen in our life at times because God wants us to be just like Jesus. He wants us to learn to forgive. So we now have a ministry of Peter, uh, his disciple, and who became the apostle. He said to Jesus, how many times have we got to forgive? How many times have we got to forgive? And Jesus gave him the answer. This is in Matthew 8, and he said 70. 70. I think that means forever. Walk in forgiveness. You know, one of the things is, is that when you hold someone else responsible for your failure, you are very much at risk. You are taking on an offence. God wants us to keep our life free from unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Because there cannot be no reconciliation and first there's one, unconditional love and number two, the heart that wants forgiveness. The heart that wants reconciliation. See, God reconciled sinful man to Himself through offering His only Son, Jesus, paying the ultimate price and that is what brings reconciliation. So, we need to grow in our ability and our willingness to forgive. So, God now expects us to demonstrate unconditional love proven by our willingness to continually forgive. How many times should we forgive? According to the scriptures, 70 times seven. There's a spiritual law here that we need to understand because we can only fully maintain our own forgiveness. By forgiving others and continually walk walking in forgiveness there's a parable of the, uh, uh, the parable of the unforgiving debtor who could not pay his bills, went to his master and he said, "Please let me off the debt." and then the debt the, the, and it 's also in Matthew chapter 28, and the, the owner released him from his debt. But then the one who had been released from his debt went out to someone who owed him and he would not forgive him. Yeah. See, to walk in forgiveness and to maintain freedom, our state of freedom, we need to continually forgive. You know, I'm sure that I'm amongst a group of people who know very much about this, but let me tell you, we can let things crop up in our heart, yeah. can't we? So it's so important that we stay on track and we learn to grow in our ability to forgive. Number three, unforgiveness. And this is really important this morning. Unforgiveness can create emotional or relational challenges, limitations of faith, or even access to demonic influence. Do you want me to read that again? Because this is important. Unforgiveness... To have unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart can create emotional or relational challenges, limitations of faith, and even access to the devil. You know, this is an important point because it seems to be the condition of this generation. This seems to be the condition of the heart of so many in 2023. I want to read to you 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Do you see any people like that these days? Lovers of money? Hands up if you think you see them. Boasters. Blasphemers? Do you hear anyone swearing? You know, and using the names Lord in, in vain. Disobedient to parents? Do you see any? Kids like that, no chance. (laughs) Unthankful? Unthankful, do you see any unthankful people these days? Unholy? You know, it just means all sorts of stuff. Unloving. Unforgiving. There it is. Unforgiving. It's a sign of the times. And it goes on, talks about a whole lot of other things. But this is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Unforgiveness is a sign of the times. You know, when, when Lynn and myself started out married, you know, one in four marriages, this is the stats, one in four marriages was uh, uh, falling in 10 years. And according to the statistics there, where people went to church together, once in, one in 40 were failing, but where people prayed together, it was one in 400. Since 1979, the world has changed. And now the divorce rate in church is slightly worse than out of church. You see, the most vital message of the church is forgiveness. But when we allow unforgiveness to come in, when we allow our heart to become hard, when we're proud, you know, when we become unloving, you know, then something begins to happen. This is why forgiveness is the heart of the Gospel. And it's got to be the heart of this church. You know, to walk in forgiveness has been a real key for our marriage and any marriage that works. It's like you've got to keep small accounts. You know, God keeps small accounts. Through the eyes of Jesus. He sees us through the eyes of Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, also talking about the last days. Now, when I say the last days, every generation has thought they're in the last days. Are we in the last days? Well, you're in the last days of your days if you're my age. Same thing applies. It says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, because of lawlessness, the love of many will wax cold. Because of lawlessness. You know, this generation, the love of many is wax cold. You know, I believe that the real, um, one of the real indicators of this is the treatment of the unborn in the womb. The the, uh, heart of man towards one another. And in this generation, the love of many is wax cold. People don't find it easy to forgive the way that they used to. And, and, you know, in my 30 years of being a pastor, I've seen big change here. People won't work through the issues the way that they used to. Is this right? But God wants us to be that person who will forgive not just once, not just seven times, but 70 times 70. We must have a heart of forgiveness. You know, over the last, uh, you know, little season in our life, we've had every reason to become bitter, angry. Yeah. And at times I've had a little bit of anger. Maybe a lot. But we've had to learn to forgive. we have got to Forgive. We've got to be like Jesus. You know, at one stage, many of us were just reeling against God, rebelling against God, broken down. And here we are now. God's reconciled us to Himself and to one another. And there's a good thing happening. Forgiveness must be at the heart of everything we do. Unforgiveness can create emotional or relational challenges. Limitations of faith or even access to the devil. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 27, it says, be angry. Now, I wanna tell you how to handle difficult situations. It says, be angry. Has anyone been angry lately? Has anybody been angry in this last week? I was very calm when we lost the football on Saturday night. I didn't get too upset about that. But this is the point it says, be angry and sin not, lest you give, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, lest you give place to the devil. I believe that one of the reasons why relationships fail is we allow things to build up in there and we let the sun go down on our wrath. You know, I don't know what it's like in your home, but I know in some homes, you know, the cold shoulder can go on for two or three weeks. This is not good. This is what you call dysfunctional living. This is not how God wants us to work through life. We need to, it's interesting, just seeing different ones smiling, so it's good to see. I can't remember the last time that Lynn and myself chose not to sort it out and pray. Now, there have been times. But very, very, very rarely. Everybody has their challenges. But this is something that we need to do. We need to make sure that every day we come back to this place and our relationship is open and clean. We need to be able to say to those that we love, is everything okay between us? You know, when everything is okay between us, it'll be okay between us and God. Sometimes we wonder why things are not working out and here it is right now. Do you know that this generation is the most medicated generation in history? where the amount of people on, on uh, mental health drugs, antidepressants is getting higher and higher and higher and it's higher than it's ever been. And you know, we're medicating the problem. But when you medicate the problem, and I'm not against medication, I've, I've used all sorts of medications, including mental health ones. I'm in mean, a pastor for goodness sake. <laughs> That's not the point. But when we allow unforgiveness to come in in the important relationships that we have and we don't resolve that issues, it can have all sorts of effect on us. Emotionally, relationally, physically. Physically, like, you know, sometimes cancer, you know, it's not, not always the case or maybe not even most often the case. But sometimes these sicknesses can go right into a root of bitterness. You know, things like arthritis. You know, this, this is medically, you know, valid information that I'm giving you. So we need to make sure that we are maintaining an open relationship with God above us and with the important people around us. Forgiveness is sometimes we've got to pray, God, give us the grace to Forgive. You know, for for Lynn and myself to forgive one another, you know, we've been totally faithful for one another for our 44 years of marriage and totally been honourable to one another. It has not been hard to forgive. But I know sometimes things creep into marriage which can really put that marriage at risk. And to love unconditionally and learn to forgive is such a powerful, powerful thing. Sometimes if we can't break out of the whole realm of, of things like depression, it could be a good idea to go back without getting you know, too uh, lost in this search, but to think, who have not I forgiven? Who am I angry with? Because the Bible says, be, be angry, but sin not. Do you know what, when we see unrighteousness, it's okay to get angry. But when we open our mouth and curse this person and speak badly about them, we are potentially giving, I would say most likely giving place to the devil. It's more in the context of relationships that count where we are depending on one another or God has brought us together to stand together that we need to really make sure that we lead the way in forgiveness. Have a forgiving heart. Don't let yourself be offended. Don't allow things to go too long without being settled. Be transparent with one another, love one another. But this is a key to a great life. I remember with one of the young people in our church that got married, who'd been through a very, very difficult, difficult time in the past. And on the day I said to her, The thing that has brought you here to be so totally free is your ability to forgive. You know, sometimes we can become so emotionally attached to what happened in the past, we don't seem to be able to let go. It's like we attach to that event that happened in the past. And and you know, if we really can work with God and sometimes just some good mentoring some good pastoring some you know some positive counseling we can begin to let go of those things in the past to move forward to the future that God has for us Is that good You know every battle is winnable if we approach it the right way So unforgiveness can create emotional or relational challenges limitations of faith or even access to the devil Number four, our ability to forgive is a true measure of our maturity as sons and daughters of God. Sometimes we have to grow through our present pain and circumstances to forgive. Sometimes it can be a lengthy and difficult process, almost impossible. The best thing that we can do in times of intense conflict is understand the power of the cross because Jesus laid His life down on the cross. He took your sin on the cross. He took my sin on the cross. And we need to understand the power of the cross because we too can bring our grievances there. You know, some things just need to be crucified. Some things need to be laid down and let go. It's a good thing to learn. Learn to lay things down. Learn to bring them to Jesus. Learn to cast our burdens on Him who cares for us, the Bible says. But Jesus took it all on the cross. He took your sin. Isn't that amazing? God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us has made us alive together with Him. We did not not deserve it. You know, some people have gone to great lengths to forgive. Do you know the story of Corrie Ten Boom? Great, great person that God used in World War II, rescuing the Jewish people. Her own sister, her life was taken by the Nazis. But before God could use Corrie Ten Boom, who was magnificently and powerfully used, she had to forgive those who had sinned against her. See, if we don't forgive those who have hurt us, damaged us, said the wrong things about us, God can't use us the way He wants to. We need to learn to forgive. Forgiving is not forgetting. You know, sometimes people have been in highly abusive environments and we need to be able to forgive, but not keep walking back into it. God wants to set us free from that situation. But our ability to forgive is a true measure of maturity as sons and daughters of God. You know, sometimes Lynn and myself have sat with people who have been blueing, you know, husband and wife. And you say nice things as a pastor and underneath your breath, you're thinking, oh God, I wish someone had grown up here. (laughs) Not you. (laughs) But see, it's growing up, isn't it? And being the first to forgive. And smart idea, you don't come up here and say to a person, hey, you hurt me, but I forgive you. Amy hurt me, but I forgive you, Amy. That night you give me a straight word. I've forgiven you. I mean, she's not even aware. Now now she's offended, and I'm feeling good.) <laughs> so this is something that we need to take to the cross. Number five. Unforgiveness of the heart is a hindrance to prayers being answered. There's a great verse in the Bible. It's the faith verse. Mark 11, chapter 22 to 24. And it says, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, whatever he says shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. This is the potential of Christian living. But it goes on to say this in the very next verse. And whenever you stand praying and you have anything against anyone, against who? Anyone. Anyone. That's tough, isn't it? Forgive Him so that your heavenly Father can forgive you. So we can pray with great faith, but if we've got unforgiveness in here, our prayer is nullified. Now this one is especially for the blokes. If I can find it, it is in 1 Peter chapter three, verse 17, I think? No, Seven. And it says, "Husbands." Likewise, dwell with them, with your wives, in understanding, giving honour to the wife. Don't be offended by this, ladies. If you're offended by this, you've got to forgive me. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, understanding, give honour to the wives as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, boys who are married, Sorry, men who are married, if you are not treating your wife right, yep. your prayers are not going to be answered. Yep. Okay. So if you come to, you know, someone else and you say, God's not listening to my prayers, first question you ask the man is, How are you treating your wife? All <laughs> the wives, you can say thank to me later on. Last one. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart and an act of faith. You can't follow your feelings. You act and your feelings follow. I don't think Corrie ten Boom would have felt like forgiving the Nazi people that had done so much damage to her people. So you can't follow your feelings. If you follow your feelings, you'll never get set free. You've got to follow the principle Forgiveness. You choose to be Jesus in the situation, and there's a real joy when you see relationships restored. Here's a tip if you can think of this, I'll read it again. And whenever you stand praying and you have anything against anyone, forgive them so that your heavenly Father can forgive you. Start by reaching out, write a letter send a text, be the bigger person, buy a gift. You are potentially opening the door to a a miracle. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart and an act of faith. And the final point this morning is this, to forgive is literally the most Christ-like thing you can do. It blows me away, Jesus' words on the cross when He is being crucified, a crown of thorns nailed to the cross, mocked and spat at, an absolute immense outpouring of mockery and outright bitterness and hatred to the Son of God. And what does He say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How profound that is. This has got to be our speech, our attitude, our heart. Why don't you just stand this morning and we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning. We thank You that we have been forgiven. Father, we thank You that our sins have been washed away. Father, I thank you that now our minds, our bodies, our emotion and our spirit can be totally healed and totally made whole. Father, I just pray for a spirit of reconciliation to be over this church and over these people. I pray, Father, that even this week as you speak to people, I wonder if there's anyone here and you know that you've got to settle an account with someone you know you've got to reach out to someone. This is very important. Be the bigger person. Don't try and fix the problem because sometimes when you try and fix the problem, it is going to do some amazing miracles in this time. I pray that the ministry of healing and reconciliation would be so high agenda on the agenda of this church. Father, we thank You this morning that You are here. And You're leading us and You're guiding us through these proceedings. I'd just like to pray that prayer together again this morning. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.